I almost got run over running across the street. I need my sunglasses. I gotta find them. Where did I leave them? Fuck. Fuck a duck. Where the fuck are they? God damn it. Fuck. Where the fuck? Mm, I'm gonna get upset. I know I brought them. Why are they not in my fucking backpack? Where I fucking left them. What the fuck? God damn it. Ah! Frustration. Fuck. God damn it. Fuck a duck. Fucking bullshit, man. Where the fuck? Fucking frustrating. I walk all the fucking way from the wide of my car for some fucking... Oh, for fuck's sake, man. Fuck. Fucking frustrating, man. God. Civic duty, civic duty. Fuck. Fuck. Where the fuck are they? I know that I brought them. Fuck. God damn it. Fuck, I hate that. Fuck. So it's not as bad, but it's still really fucking frustrating. It still really pisses me off. Making something out of nothing, but Lisa's fucking hassling me. I didn't see her text that she was asking when I'm going to be home. So I kept fucking doing my cardio on the elliptical. And then I saw her next text. Said, yeah, sorry, I didn't see this till now. Nice try, she says. So I'm fucking rushing. Almost got hit by a car. Pretty sure it wasn't my fault. Gotta yield to pedestrians on a green light. Pretty sure, yeah. Where the fuck are my sunglasses? Why are they not in my bag? Where else did I fucking put them? Fuck. Ah! I just hate that. I have a prescription, so I I have another pair that I'm looking at right now, but I need to wear my... I don't have my contacts in. Sweet, man. Okay, you're coming with me. Fuck. Cocksucker, man. It's so fucking windy out. Blows my door open. Sunglasses at the courts.
fucking Hitler about my teller, eh? Can't find my sunglasses. see what my 20 minutes has 20 minutes 13 minutes ago so I'm gonna be late for my 20 minutes I told her I'd be home in 20 minutes 13 minutes ago it's gonna take me at least 10 minutes to get home maybe more now that I have to wait at this red light here okay put my sunglasses on regain my composure okay sorry about that Jeesh. I've been known to get a little fired up here and there. At least we're making for a longer, bigger podcast file. So that's good. sad when somebody dies unless like them dying would have saved lives more lives than just them and and if they're innocent people like you know like if a murderer that was gonna murder more dies so that's not so sad because lives got saved by that happening but like other than that it's sad when somebody dies so like i'm sad the queen died but like as far as me being sad about the queen dying over any other person that you know 
like the royalty is connected to a lot of shitty shit too. So I mean, I'm not happy she died, but like, I don't know, done some shitty shit and shit. So fuck. trying to get in shape for the summer. The paragraph reads, a vice president of Bloomingdale's was shown the Scarsdale diet by the owner of a fish restaurant, decided to try it, lost 20 pounds in 19 days, and claims that he was never hungry and never tired. On six out of seven days, you can have substantial dinner and you can eat in large quantities, he reports. The diet, available from the Scarsdale Medical Group, consists mostly of steak, fish, chicken, vegetables, and fruits. No liquor is allowed. That's it. That's the paragraph. And everyone was like, tell me more? Yeah, I mean, the birth of the diet is like pure cynicism. So book publishers see this paragraph. They contact Herman Tarnauer. It turns out there is no Scarsdale diet. There is a single piece of paper that he hands to patients. He, he's tired of giving them the same advice all the time. Mm-hmm. So he and the other doctors in the clinic, by the way, who get no credit for this, come up with this diet plan of like, it's basically Monday, eat this, Tuesday, eat that. Like that's all it is. It's just a seven day diet plan. And you repeat it for another week. And it's, they call it a two week diet plan. As soon as he explains this to the publisher, the publisher is like, oh yeah, no big deal. We'll just expand that into a book. Like we'll just add filler, <laughs> like make a book out of this like single piece of paper. That's the birth of every diet book, by the way. I mean, way. if we're honest, it's like, yes. we have one to two pages of information or analysis to offer. And then the only way we can turn this into a profiting venture is to turn it into yeah. a book, which has to be like, I don't know, 150 to 250 pages. So we got to get yeah. to work. Now that you say that, it is really funny to think about a diet complicated enough that it requires an entire 200 page book to <laughs> yeah, explain I know. it. Just this weird Byzantine choose your own adventure. Yeah, if you yeah, had yeah. oats for breakfast, turn to page 67. Or like the tapioca diet. First he must journey to South America to find the tapioca yeah. tree and pound its bark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they bring on this guy named Sam Sinclair, who was like a Madison Avenue He's advertising guy and had previously written 27 self-help books. Wow. Their conversation with Herman Tarnauer is taking place in June of 1978, and they need the book to be out by January, because that's when everybody buys diet books, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was shocked reading this book. It is one of the most unethical things I've ever read. I don't, I don't even mean, like, the most unethical diet I've ever read. Hmm. Like, I read Alan Dershowitz's book <laughs> for your review. You did. <laughs> like, this... <laughs> This might have been worse. It's it's something that I think the diet industry does in more subtle ways now, where every time it describes the diet in general, it's like, oh, it's easy. It's not that hard to follow. You'll never be hungry. You don't have to remember anything complicated. It's so simple, right? Is it meth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the minute you get to the actual specifics... It's just like an unbelievably restrictive diet. So yeah, it's like a half a grapefruit and one piece of bread every morning. And then lunch will be like a bowl of fruit salad. One one of the lunches is a half a cup of cottage. 
cottage cheese and six walnuts. <gasps> so like no food. And then it'll be like a whatever, a four ounce thing of fish and some like steamed broccoli for dinner or something. So you just feel like you're gonna pass out all the time, which is exactly you know, what you want. I have not done the analysis, but like most of these daily diets are probably less than a thousand calories. It's like extremely restrictive. You're not allowed to snack, you're not allowed to drink alcohol. It just like, it just sucks ass. And then of course, because all the rhetoric around the diet is like, it's easy and you'll never be hungry. It's also like, well, if you can't do it, you clearly just don't have the willpower and like, it's your fault. Mm. Yeah, that's like the rhetoric of diets, right? It's just like, wow, we came up with this simple, easy thing and you can't even manage that. This book sells 6 million copies. <laughs> Holy This also becomes like a source of tension in his relationship with Jean because she behind the scenes was trying to like tone down the book a little bit. Aww. The first paragraph of the book, I think kind of rather famously is like, the only thing to know about this diet is that it works. <laughs> Jean had like scrapped that paragraph and was like, this is unethical. It, this doesn't really work for most people and you shouldn't do that. And she got in a big fight apparently with the this like scammy author that they brought on to write the book. And she apparently at one point rewrote the entire manuscript. Whoa. She does, I mean, she does like months of work on this because she kind of thinks it's like beneath him to be doing a diet book. One, one thing that I think really has changed in America is like it's he is extremely tacky for being a doctor who's peddling a diet. <laughs> <laughs> like that that is something that we have lost. I'd like to go back to that. Bring it back. Make it gauche. After the book comes out and it's this like massive smash hit, he sends her a check for four thousand dollars and a note that says, I must make all disbursements at this time. What? And it becomes this like source of tension in their relationship and kind of like a metaphor for like where their relationship is now. She's just like, I didn't want money. I wanted you, like I wanted you to tell me that like I couldn't have done this without you, sweetie. Right, I wanted recognition. Yeah, it's like, I want you to tell me that like you value me as a person. The only time I've heard the word disbursement was when I got like a stipend check from school I was a grad student at and yeah I did not have like a really loving tender relationship with the University of Wisconsin right she's all she's she's torn between I would rather get nothing and recognition or like what I'm worth mm. he will eventually make three million dollars off of this book <gasps> she's also like okay either tell me that you love me and I help with your book or pay me what I'm worth Pick one, but you've done the worst of both worlds right now. Yeah, you've done the most insulting thing. Yeah. Basically, this book kind of marks the beginning of the end of their relationship. Hmm. They're five hours apart. He is also, now that he's a celebrity, he has, like, just logistically, he just has, like, a lot less time. He's, like, going on The Tonight Show. And, and he probably has more groupies, I would imagine. They're like, hey, you're the creep I saw on TV, as opposed to, hey, you're the creep I saw at the country club. Exactly. And it's it's feeding his ego, too. So he's just, like, isn't around, and he's kind of, he thinks he's better than all of this now. And <laughs> he starts becoming more distant. Like, she'll, she'll write to him, and he just won't write back. Or she'll call him and he won't call back. He he instructs the servants to not patch her through. <laughs> Yikes. Once again, bringing the divorced dad energy. That was a clip from the podcast Maintenance Phase. It's hosted by Michael Hobbs and Aubrey Gordon. And they were joined in that episode by Sarah Marshall. Sarah Marshall from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I could
resist. I couldn't resist making that Comedian joke. Bobby Moynihan often did impressions of the Sesame Street character Gonzo when he was on Saturday Night Live. And then in 2013, Moynihan got an invite to be on Sesame Street. But if he had to choose one Muppet as his favorite, would it be Gonzo? In this next clip from We Got This with Mark and Hal, they talk with Bobby Moynihan about who they think is the best Sesame Street monster. And Elmo, I think, is a great character because Elmo's kind of like the Winston Zedmore of the show because Elmo is the audience. He's the wide-eyed, exactly right age for a Sesame Street viewer. That character, I think, is, I mean, and you've got a four-year-old, you can probably speak to this better. I think he's more in the, like, Grogu, like the baby, he's the baby Yoda of the Muppet. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's this yeah. breakout star that came out when everything was already established. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, I mean, they, I think they, it might be Cookie I Monster for me. Him. I mean, he is who he is, but they've had a lot more fun with him lately. And that to me, see, my strongest memory of him was being either nice. uh, high school or college and, and working at the WHYY store of knowledge in the Willow Grove Mall when Tickle the Elmo was the hugest thing in the oh, world well. and people just rushing this little PBS store to try to find it. Like that was all, this is the, <laughs> like just, that was all anybody wanted and it was so, that was like, a, I carry some scars for Permit's that. cool. <laughs> well, did yes. you work in that store because you wanted the silence of working in a PBS store? Yeah, and all I got like, was it seems Elmo, easy. Elmo and Riverdance all the time. <laughs> okay. I've seen Riverdance more than any human. If you think you're a Riverdance fan, I've yeah. seen it more than you. And if I'm he's sorry. in front of a green screen, Elmo can do some Riverdance. Oh, easy, easy. Yeah. Oh, good. Kermit can do it with those floppy Hollywood bowl legs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Cookie Monster will do like stop. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Cookie Monster, personally. He's just banging plates together. And yeah. Like, it's fucking cool. Has, has he had the biggest arc of any of these main characters? Because he's gone from has to have cookies all the time to cookies are sometimes food. Is that what it is now? It's like yeah, a sometimes yeah. food now. Huh? Wow. Because, you know, yeah. he wasn't promoting the best behavior. He's why I eat all these cookies. Or at least that's what I'm going to tell the courts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I, I can't believe I can't. I didn't realize that it had gotten there. That that's yeah. fantastic, though. But I think like, that's that you need to. That's what they're for. Yeah, yeah. That's what Cookie Monster does. I do have a, my only beef with Cookie Monster is how hard is it? It's a black void with no reflective surface inside that mouth. How hard is it to just make that a little deeper so that the cookies can stay inside? <laughs> well, that, but that's the best part. The best part. <laughs> he has never eaten a cookie. <laughs> yeah, the mess. That's what I mean. Yeah. He's, uh, he's Sisyphus. He'll never <laughs> that's pretty that funny. Pretty... All right. Sorry <laughs> about my little freak out there. Fuck. I just get... I get irritated, you know? And I could just calm down, like... I, I don't know. I just panic and get scared they're stolen or lost forever or something. I don't know. Anyways, thanks for listening, Jeesh. Guess we killed more megabytes with me misplacing my uh, sunglasses. So anyways, yeah. Hope you're, hope you're having a good time. like to see you someday soon. Okay, hope you're doing well. See you later.